Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings, citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together and we talk about a film we've seen and it is actually uh, this December, but I mean, we're treating that as 70s month. It's been a while since we've done this, but we've done it a couple of times now. And we are once again returning to the 70s well for four episodes uh, featuring 70s movies. Um, there may be a slight overlap at the end of the month with Matrix 4. <laughs> that may actually come out before the fourth 70s movie, but that's just a technicality. Don't worry about that. Just roll with it. You're getting four 70s movies. It's just movies. a Christmas present, that's all. Yes. So, uh, we're crossing off some that we've still not gotten to, of course, uh, and we're starting off with Silent Green. Uh, this is from 1973, starring Charlton Heston, directed by Richard Fleischer, uh, who I'll remind myself of what else he directed, but I remember looking earlier in the week and going, oh shit, we've talked about a couple of these. Because <laughs> uh, he's done a few interesting things. Did he do Omega Man? Because there's a lot of cast crossover. Yeah, I'm out of all 3D, which we've not talked about, obviously, because that's a horror movie, but I'm familiar with it. Um, and he did... Fantastic Voyage, that was the one that I thought I was thinking about that we we did. Uh, interesting to have, because that's a 60s movie, obviously, so it's interesting to see kind of, like, that he was still working on a science fiction project uh, the following day. He also did, like, Vikings, maybe one of his more famous movies from the 50s, uh, which I've not seen, but I, I know people talk about it. So, this is a, a dystopian science fiction film set in the future, uh, although not that futuristic to us, because it's set in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are nigh on 2022 of course uh, as this comes out we're less than a month away by the time you see this episode maybe we should have waited to do this one until next year it's 70s month like you know I mean, it's alright and to be we fair, have to do it to be fair we didn't know like I, I literally sat down I started the movie and it came up saying 2022 and I went oh shit yeah <laughs> that's that's right around the corner uh, so <laughs> Yeah, but it's in a future where, you know, the, the, the climate is shit, uh, pollution has ruined so many things, uh, lots of food is now super expensive and hard to come by, and most people eat rations of these things called Soylent. There's Soylent other colours, but obviously the one that we're mainly going to talk about in this is Soylent Green, and it's, it's they look like plastic, they're these like plastic squares <laughs> that you just sort of see. Yeah. Kinda like, they're kind of like the original series um, cafeteria food in Star Trek. They're just like colorful cubes that come out. <laughs> uh, well, I, no, yeah. I, I would argue they look more because in, in the original series, the cards they put into the machine to then like make the food that they were going to eat. I would argue they look, more, they look more like the cards that they put in the machine to tell them what they want to eat rather than the actual yeah. food themselves. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in the beginning of the film, you see that they, they look more like uh, like pellets, kind of like lentils. Hmm. And then you can see them um, in the factory later being made, and they look like sheets. They look yeah. plastic. They look like uh, yeah, yeah. They all look edible. Like I'm pretty sure none of the actors could pick one up and, and eat it. But we'll start spoiler free, of course, uh, as we always do. We'll give you a warning before we get into spoilers. Charlton Heston plays a a detective in this world. Uh, the world does have some slightly different rules, of course, uh, given the the context and. I think a lot of what we're going to talk about in this review is probably the world building that it sets up and the, the, the type of the class system, what's valuable, what's not valuable, how things work. Um, some of which obviously, it's obviously it's a very political science fiction film. It's got a lot to say about society. 
and there are some elements of it I think are a little dated in terms of like the messaging feels like it was forward thinking for the time but there's certain elements that feel like they weren't considering certain things that we would jump to thinking about first now um you know the, the, the thing I'm like one of the examples I'm thinking of here is the idea that so the older character Saul who's like uh who lives with Charlton Heston he's like his partner he's he's what's referred to as a book he does all the research and all the paperwork whilst Charlton Heston's going around doing all the you know investigating and beating people up and whatever he does and he constantly reminisces about his childhood because he's old enough to remember the world as it was uh you know and the world as it was basically meaning like present day 70s i imagine given the time period and one of the things he talks about is like oh you used to be able to get like you know real food and talks about all these different things and one of the things he talks about is like you know um like they talk a lot about the pollution like affecting the fact that they can't have meat and things like that whereas i feel like these days we would more look at like the idea of like the the production of meat being one of the bigger contributors to the problems on the planet rather than one of the things that would be taken away if you know the planet starts to go worse and worse so uh you know it was just it was not a big thing but it's one of those little things where i'm like that just feels like of the time because the attitude and how it's thought about just hasn't quite gotten to where it is now yeah yeah um so that stuck out to me but uh so yeah but we'll talk about a lot of the class stuff and a lot of the like the items that are valuable and things like that um and a bit of a detective story and of course this movie does have a famous twist if although i hesitate to even call it a twist really i don't think the movie presents i mean it is a mystery and it is something that obviously is the motivating factor for the plot but i don't know if i would call it a twist in traditional sense because i feel like the movie is intentionally building up to whatever the secret is the whole time mm-hmm. um so it's not like it, it's not like a, like pull the rug out from under you and i feel like it hints at it gradually throughout the film i don't think it's totally like, yeah you know it's not like oh my god so it's, you know this was really this the whole time it's, it's not mm-hmm. like that uh so yeah yeah we'll uh we'll, we'll we'll get into all that juicy stuff onto all that juicy stuff so Yes, uh, but I, I guess, uh, you know, I mean, the actual plot of the movie is that one, a rich guy is murdered and only rich people can afford a lot of the things that we take for granted in modern life. And it's the investigation of that murder that goes down this conspiracy path and what's the secret he had and all that stuff. Uh, but with all that out of the way, Tara, what are your thoughts on Silent Green? I really, really like this movie a lot. Um, I I had seen it when i was a kid it was one that my father showed me he was fairly excited to show me especially because he caught me before the twist was spoiled for me um so you know i did watch it without knowing what was going to happen next um however that was a long time ago so watching it now (laughs) knowing the twist it's still really good i think i the i think the uh the mystery builds up really well i think there's a lot of strong direction in this um there are scenes that maybe are a bit cheesy, but um, I, I still kind of love them for what they are. Uh, there are like literal crowds of people that are being taken care of by like bulldozers, <laughs> just like coming in and scooping piles of people. And because there's just so many, there's so many people. Um, it's a lot of those. Yes. Fear from the seventies that we've seen so much in these 70s months of overpopulation of the environment going to crap in a dystopian future however i like that this future has a lot of rules that people are just you know playing along doing what the government tells them to in order to survive because 
that is still like the number one thing is survive and people are willing to do anything to survive. So, um, and it, it hasn't really come to just murdering each other. Although there is obviously murder in this film. It's, it's like the other seventies movies we've watched. It is very much a, uh, just do what you're told and, you know, get through life, which I, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of a unique little slice in this, this type of storytelling. Um, and yeah, I enjoy, I, I love Heston. Like he's so good. <laughs> he's so, he's so good on screen. And like, you can see why he's been a leading man for so long. And, um, yeah. And he works really well with, uh, is his name, uh, like Edgar Robinson. Um, the guy who plays Saul, he's, it turns out it was his last film. Edward. Edward. Yeah. Edward Robinson. So it turns out it was his last film also. And they had worked together before. Um, I'm a big fan of the Ten Commandments film, and they were both in that together. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I'm pretty positive on this film. It's often like my go-to when I think of 70s sci-fi, and uh, really like it. Yeah, I uh, I did not see this as young. I saw this probably I was probably already in my twenties. I think by the time I saw this, so it was it was very different because I you know I I knew what the reveal at the end was i i knew where it was going which i don't think actually affects it that much ultimately but then again i never saw it without that so <laughs> I, I don't know for sure uh it's worth mentioning um i think for me this this definitely is a 70s movie like it's a 70s movie for better and for worse like there's a lot of things in this that feel very of the era and a lot of the things we've talked about in these previous 70s months where we have went through a batch of these movies back to back and we've noticed certain trends we've noticed certain things and storytelling mechanics and filming styles and there are touches in this that i think are really good in the direction but then there's also just the general plot and like how it progresses does feel like a lot of the 70s movies that have this type of investigative plot feel very laid back right it has a very kind of like um and not, not that i'm saying that I, I want it to be an action movie far from it right like this has a better investigation plot than say not a 70s movie but blade runner is my go-to movie to like crap on a little bit when i'm <laughs> comparing that um but th- this movie it, it, it definitely chooses the things that it wants to focus on and it's it's more interested in a lot of the details than it is necessarily having a a plot that's moving at a nice pace and like is getting you enthralled in what the next step of the, the plot is it's a lot more about let's stop and just explore each of the the various sort of scenarios in this world so you can learn about the world and because of that it feels a lot more uh, maybe it is based in a book i have no idea oh it is it i just is. looked yeah right so the ending is different though but it feels like it's based on a book anyway uh because it feels like much more like a book just like like a lavishing in the details of the world building rather than something that is like completely made as a movie um which i guess is kind of a critique but it, it like ultimately it boils down to what i've said about a lot of these movies is that there's a lot of stuff in here i like i think it's a really interesting film uh that i think we're going to have some interesting discussion about uh, once we get into the meat of the spoilers and all that and but I, I don't love it as much as movies that came later. And I, it's definitely not like one of my favorites of the 70s. Um, much like a lot of these other 70s movies, it feels like a prototype where this sort of subgenre of sci-fi, I think, would be done better later on uh, in other dystopian films. 
and you know whatever so like it, for, for me it kind of falls into like i like a lot about it i think it's an interesting movie and i watched it twice for this review because we were meant to record this like a like half a week ago and i just watched it again today because of, well yeah i don't want it to be foggy so i'll just i'll throw it on again uh which admittedly it's easy to do when it's only like 95 minutes so i mean <laughs> thank you for yeah, that it's, it's not like uh yeah it's not it's not painfully long or anything yeah. so uh that is convenient so thank you movie makers for for that uh charlie heston he has an interesting fit for this because the character isn't like he has like moments i think of empathy and moments where he's clearly a little bit better than a lot of the people in this world but he's not like your traditional likable guy either he's kind of you know he's very stern he's so good at that though <laughs> yeah that's it's kind of his thing yeah. uh in a lot of ways which maybe is what a critique in of itself that he is a little you know he's a little typecast i suppose uh, maybe, but he's so good at this role. Like he, he's, he's powerful on on screen, and he's like, like you could see him having authority in this world, and that he, he is sort of a rule enforcer, but he's also very corrupt, and like you do get those flashes of empathy, and he's never really, like he takes advantage of certain situations, and he talks about how he does that often, but he doesn't. Uh, I don't know, there's still something about him that's likable. And what's funny, it's one of those movies where if you look at the IMDb rating, it's at 7.1, which is pretty reasonable. It kind of feels like it's had a bit of a legacy uh, that's, that's you know, happened after the fact, but it's not necessarily one of the, the biggies that got the all the accolades when it hit. It wasn't like seen as this big game-changing film. It's, it's almost like things like Simpsons and other stuff, and I won't say what it is, but them referencing the ending is almost like giving it this life like beyond its its generation in, in a weird way um because i mean even you said your father introduced you to it like if, if mm-hmm. no one was there to introduce it to you you might not have discovered it it, it might um i don't know i watched a lot of movies from this time period and especially i really liked charlton heston and uh science fiction films so i probably would have Okay, fair, fair enough. Um, but it's, it's one of those ones. Yeah, you don't hear it talked about as much as you know, like you know, Alien, Clockwork Orange, you know, the the, sure. the big seventies sci-fi movies, right? It, it doesn't seem to come up as often as those. Yeah, uh, but it's it's definitely above films like um, Boy and His Dog or Ultimate Warrior, stuff like that. Yeah, I actually thought Boy and His Dog might actually have a very similar rating. Uh, do you want me to check? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I mean, let me check. I'm curious. Uh, I actually one of the things you said. Uh, I'm glad you said is the the silliness of the scoop, the 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 bulldozer scoop scenes with the skip with the <laughs> yeah. uh, with the tractors. I I thought, like, I get the the thematic point that that scene's trying to make about how people are being treated, especially with things that are said later on. But it doesn't change the fact that it looks stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes yeah. you're the idea on the paper, and then the idea actually on the screen. Or two different things, sure, and that's yeah. and that's sure. Okay. It looks silly, but I do like the idea that they have these. They have to use scoops, <laughs> to, the large bulldozing scoops to like to move crowds because otherwise people will get um, uh, they'll just destroy everything in sight. Yeah. Okay. It was a little bit lower. Uh, this is at seven point one. A boy and his dogs at six point five. But I, I kind of think of them being like thought of in the same kind of like caliber. Like, 
At, at least whenever I've heard these films talked about, they always seem to be kind of... I, I would say, you know, A tier and B tier. So this would probably be... I don't know. Like, it is one that gets brought up a lot, though, because it, it is still, you know, considered like a big deal with the with the ending and with... And, and you know, it does... You mentioned it. It does get referenced in other shows, like that 70s show and and uh, The Simpsons and I'm sure other things. Joe, Joe, color or something. Joe, 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 I think it is. I, I think the ideas are better than the movie is. The movie's not bad. I think the movie's pretty good, but... I never said it was bad. I said it was not as good as the ideas are. Okay. You you can disagree. You can disagree, but don't don't cop out with. I think it's pretty good. If you disagree, just say you disagree. Tell me I'm wrong. Go on, fight me. Oh, I'm a pacifist. <laughs> <laughs> are you a woman or are you furniture? Come on, damn it, fight me! How dare you? <laughs> no, I I do like you mentioned the world building. That's going to be a thing that we talk about a lot. But I. I do enjoy all the details of the world building in this and, you know, the, what people are willing to, to do to survive, like what has become just normal, which is like the idea that women are just furniture. Yeah. Like, yeah what I just said, if you haven't seen this movie, cause you're just watching the spoiler free section that uh, in this film, not all women, but a lot of women are referred to as furniture. And it basically means they are owned either by a man or uh, the more prominent case we seem to get in the movie is they're owned actually by like a landlord and they come with the apartment <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. something that it's like a, an appliance that comes with the apartment as a woman uh yeah. and yeah so what we'll talk about obviously that that's a big theme and it's a big topic in the movie to dissect because there's a lot to that um yeah for sure I, yeah I, like I don't want to sound down on it. I think it's a really interesting movie with a lot of really interesting stuff to talk about. Uh, but I, I wouldn't say I love the movie as a whole as a movie as much as, as a lot of other things. Like, I, I think it's it's in that very experimental, like, thinking science fiction era. Um, but it doesn't quite have the filmmaking chops of the stuff that's really, like, like lasted and, like, kind of hit with people in the, in the same way. Okay, sure. Um, okay. Because I, I mean, I I can give some some like objective critiques right now. That like I hate the shitty filter they've got whenever they're outside, and there's like a sort of green filter from the top of the screen. To... It reminds me of uh, ZPG, which ah, is yeah, another seventies yeah. film. Yeah, 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 yeah. We did that one. Uh, I thought that looked really lame as a way to try and show it was polite. Um, I kind of like I I get like it makes sense later in the film. But honestly, from for a tone perspective, I think the opening with the montage of images with the classical music playing feels really weird and just like doesn't get me in the mood for the movie at all. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I think that was something that died out fairly early um, when it came to movies because this isn't the only movie we've seen with that in it. I think mm. um, Omega Man also had this kind of opening of images and then all of a sudden the, it was the test and demand it. And... <laughs> the test and demand it in his contract <laughs> i want a montage of images god damn it yeah maybe <laughs> uh i mean i mean the reality is that's that's because the montage of images show like you know society breaking down it's kind of telling the story of how the world got the way it is v- vaguely it's not super specific but it's kind of like broad strokes yeah right and i feel like this was kind of like 
in a modern movie the money and the effects are there to like do like a like a, a a credit sequence where you're seeing it playing out over the credits where you actually see clips so you'll see like moments of all this stuff happening this mm-hmm. is like the cheap 70s way of doing it, it was oh no we've got some stock it's poles. just a slideshow yeah and it's all like pictures of crowds because of like inaugural addresses or like uh war or something yeah. so there's there it's not really um selling that the, these are images of uh, a bleak future but just like current day events like one of them might have been Woodstock showing people. <laughs> <laughs> Look at these hordes of people. <laughs> yes. Society is crumbling. Look at all these awful people. Um, <laughs> now, I like, because I, 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 I know, like, I'm going to be accused here of just not liking some techniques because they're old. But, like, I love tons of old techniques that are older than this. And I love techniques from the 80s and 90s and, and whatever. Uh, but there's, there's definitely a few experiments. Stuff exper- you saw when you were a kid, right? <laughs> no, but well, yeah, from the 80s and 90s, sure, but not from before the 70s, which I also just said that I like techniques from. The, 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 like, I feel like people who are of a certain age get really defensive when someone younger like, critiques something of their time. And I'm like, I love tons of stuff from this era, but there's still sure. stuff in this era that's not good. <laughs> and I'm going to critique it. <laughs> sure. Deal with it. <laughs> and this slideshow opening with classical music kind of sucks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> like it does you don't nothing... like the classical music i don't dislike classical music i dislike it in the context of like opening this movie with it there's no atmosphere uh, I, think, I think the music works really well in this actually the, the using the classical music just uh you know because they want to show images of things that maybe we take for granted now and like uh just you know beautiful things like uh nature and music that has survived um, throughout centuries that it's just considered to be, you know, great. And uh, I think um, I think that music came from before, like, an industrial time also, so it kind of feels more like it's from a natural world, even though it, it is, you know, made with instruments and uh, it's not like bird song or anything like that. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it is close to nature. It is definitely inspired by nature. I, I think that is uh, actually a really good choice for the film. It doesn't need to open with the images and stuff. It could open like maybe differently than a slideshow or something. But because because the the crowds of people and the hordes of people that are clearly just you know stock footage or, or you know that that does age poorly. But. It feels like the start of a documentary rather than the start of an actual movie. Yeah, I mean that stuff. Um, you know, fine if you don't like it. It's I mean, I, it's whatever. I, I, but I'm not it, saying it's fr- definitely like, of its time. I get why classical music is just later in the film. I, I'm just saying that from a mood perspective, it doesn't set me up for like because this movie, like when it actually starts properly after the opening titles, like it's kind of dim and gritty and it feels kind of depressing because the world we're in. Um, maybe you could ar- you know argue there's some irony or some like contrast with the music we've just had, but. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, it's the start of the movie. Like, settle me in. Like, get me in the mood for what I'm about to, like, sit through. Uh, and I, I don't think that that's what it does. Okay. It's, you know, there's almost a feeling, when it's, especially because I watched it twice this week now. Like, when I got when I watched it the second time, I actually went, oh, yeah, I forgot it started with this music. Like, I'd forgotten, like, and I'd only watched it, like, three days ago. And then it got to the end of it and went, okay, finally the movie can start properly. <laughs> it just feels so out of tone with everything that comes right after it. That It's just you know so but yeah it's just you know there's little things like that that 
I think do hold it back a, a little bit. Um, so, and, you know, and some of the action stuff that happens later on is, you know, like this is definitely from a time before there was like famed like action and fighting choreographers and stunt coordinators who were doing like stuff that would become like what we think of as movie action scenes. It feels sure. it feels like a crossover from like that western era where it's like a little bit goofy and people like clutching their chest and like, you know. Blood looks a bit fake and stuff like that. You're just st- little things like that. It's not a big deal, but like, you know, action scenes still feel like they're kind of still not quite transitioned from the olden days of Hollywood yet. And they're still in that 50s Western kind of like level of quality Ver- versus, again, like, I don't know what. I-, I guess 70s is probably when it starts to really transition, but it transitions in certain movies. It transitions, you know, over time. Uh, so. Yeah, I think I know the kind of thing you're referring to. There's one stunt in particular that's like, that guy didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like the choice of the, what you call an action scene. It's really not that much of an action scene because there's no music that plays at all. It's just industrial noise that's accompanying in it the whole time. So even the chase scene doesn't really feel like a, a chase. There's still tension there, but it's not like... I think it's a really cool choice to not have any music playing. Uh, I'm not debating the choice of music. You're actually thinking of the uh, the wrong scene, though. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> um, I, I'm 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 talking about a shootout that's happening, not uh, which and I'm fine with not having music. Not having music in scenes like that like adds to the tension, can make it eerie totally. and kind of creepy. Like uh, that's not that is not a problem with this. If anything, that is one of the things that it does that feels a bit more forward thinking because I feel like you know. And most older like shootout scenes in movies, like you would have some that almost sounded like Predator. See if I go back and watch like a western from the fifties and I hear like I'm like Alan Silvestri, what have you done? You've ripped off some old movie. Three ten Yuma. I've seen that. Definitely wasn't in that. Oh, it's a good movie though. Detective Yuma is a really good movie. Great film, yeah. The original, definitely good. Um, yeah. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, so, I, I mean, you're clearly a bit more positive. I, I, I think this film means more to you, is maybe what it boils down to. <laughs> maybe I do genuinely think it's a great film. <laughs> um, I, I feel the same pacing and the same kind of detached quality that I do to a lot of the other movies that we've done in these 70s months. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Yeah, you also don't really like detective mystery movies. Um, Something that's been brought up before. I don't see why I shouldn't like them, uh, but I will admit the detective part of this is the least interesting part of the whole thing. You know, the the actual investigation of just interviewing a couple of people, like, there's not really much interesting, like, stuff in the actual investigation itself. It's, it's all the world building around it is far more interesting. Um, which, which is, I guess, kind of why I compared it a little bit to Blade Runner, because Blade Runner even more so has that problem where the investigation is so goddamn dull. <laughs> I would say, yeah, Blade Runner probably gets some inspiration from this, even in its lead character. Mm. Although I, Heston, I like a lot more. I definitely prefer Harrison Ford to Charlton Heston by and large. I mean, really, in that movie? 
I'm not necessarily in that movie. I just mean in general. Oh, you mean like overall? Yeah. I don't know. I think Heston was one of the greats. I mean, the whole NRA thing is obviously awful, but like otherwise, uh, as far, just acting goes, I think he was one of the greats. Uh, well, I think this this comes back to again, like you, I mean, you said you like Ten Commandments and probably Ben Hur. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I've not seen Ten Commandments, but I thought Ben Hur was the most boring, painful, like three and a half to four hours of my life. <laughs> yeah, I also love uh, the Agony and the Ecstasy, where he plays uh, Michelangelo. That was that's a really fantastic film too. I can't say I've seen it. Uh, I, you know, I I I've basically only seen him in his science fiction movies. I think. Uh, you know, barring uh, oh, some of the classic well, ones, t- Touch of Evil. Uh, although Touch of Evil, well, a fantastic film with a great villain, does have one big problem from a you know from an ish. From, <laughs> he's playing a Mexican, all right. That's <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> right. But like that movie, like I wouldn't say that movie's great because of of Heston. I mean, not, not only is is um, what's your face? Oh God damn. His name's just escaped me. Who made Citizen Kane? Orson Welles, that's his name. Right, Orson Welles, right? Not only is Orson Welles' direction, which is phenomenal in that film, Orson Welles also plays the villain. And his, it's the villain in that movie that makes it so memorable. So um, I'm not necessarily going to like give Heston the the credit <laughs> for that one. <laughs> so You should watch more Heston films. I'll send you a list. You, you can send me a list, but anything that sounds like biblical or is over three hours long i'm not doing well there'll be a very short list <laughs> well, okay i think we've established and I, I definitely cut some like we went on a tangent there but what we've established <laughs> is that tara really likes charlton heston grew up watching heston films has an attachment i have no such attachment right that's what we've established right we agree with that yes okay did you edit all of that out no, I just I'm more I have no idea like where I'm going to like start the edit from, so I'm just making sure that I'm explaining why there's like a weird jump. If it does feel like a weird jump, it may not. Maybe it'll maybe it'll be smooth, but I, I I'm not convinced it will be. So I'm just I'm putting in a little, you know, explanation just before we go into spoilers, so people understand. Okay. Where our minds are at in the conversation. Excellent. Let's go to spoilers for Silent Green. So, um, yeah, the, the plot, you know, rich guy dies, he gets beaten because he knows something and the company, the Soylent company can't trust him anymore and Heston's going to investigate it. Uh, but we're not really going to talk about the plot that much, I don't think. I think we're going to more talk about all of the world building that comes out of the investigation and the scenes that sort of take place. You know, there's a few hints, early, you know, like when Heston like first wakes up and it's like they have to like ride a little bike that powers the electricity um they they reference the fact that like the old man's like oh where's the food like i you know i miss having real food and whatever um but it's when he goes to the crime scene right um because we, we get teases you know we see the, the rich man a little bit and we see his uh his furniture quote-unquote uh he's bought her a, a video game a very high-tech video game that that looks like it belongs in 2022 <laughs> It's like, it's like an early arcade machine. Yeah. It's pretty sleek in its uh, container, though. Yes. 
which I'm not critiquing. Obviously, they, they can't fake like what video games are going to look like <laughs> in 2022. Of course, yeah. But it's it's just funny how far they've it was come. Neat that they even had one. <laughs> yeah, it's early enough that it's actually kind of impressive. They have uh, a machine at all. Yeah. Yeah. This is right at the dawn of that uh, that era, I guess. Um. So uh, the fact that the fact that she calls it a toy as well felt really weird to me. I mean, I guess it technically is, but the way she's like, "Thanks for the toy," I'm yeah, like, that's that's weird. They call it a toy. We yeah. don't know what she is. She just looks like his girlfriend at this yes. point, or even wife, maybe. Yeah, he's got himself a young trophy wife. He's he's a he's yeah. a happy man. It's not until after he's di- died and Heston comes around that we kind of start to get the context of what furniture is, and uh, yeah. we hear the conversation. But the big thing, like th- this scene, is basically. Like Heston, because the guy's dead, he's like, "Well, I can just help myself to as much as I can carry." And like, there's so many things here that are he just loots the place, yeah, yeah. that are normal to us. Like this, this is all stuff that we expect to find. Uh, one of the, you know, I, I critiqued a little bit of the direction here or there before, but uh, one of the little moments of direction that I think is really good actually is in this scene. There's a moment where he's talking to uh, the bodyguard first, right? So there's a bodyguard character, and he's getting some details, and they're walking around, and he. He gets like the booze and he's like, oh, bourbon or whatever. And he's like, ew, very swish. And there's a moment where he looks in the bathroom and he turns on the tap, right? And water starts coming out. And he reacts a little bit to it, but it's in a wide shot. And he doesn't really focus on it too much. But he quickly like says, hey, go and like write a statement or whatever, right? If I even the fact that he asked- He said, can you, can you write? And he goes, yeah. And he's like, okay, go out in the hall and write yourself a statement. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. like, I'm, not, I'm not working. But even, even the fact that he can write, like, or yeah. sorry, the fact that he asked, can you write? That is like a bit, a bit of world building, right? Because, right. like, you know, we consider that to be like a, a thing we expect everyone to do. And, but it's when he like closes the door after he leaves, where then the camera goes into a close up where it just like, even, as he's closing the door, even it cuts to a shot of the sink. And it's mm-hmm. like, this is a big deal. The fact that there's running water here is a big deal. And then, of course, he takes a minute to like actually like splash some water on his face, and he, he sort of like looks at the soap, and he's like, "Oh my god, soap!" Yeah. And he's like really enjoying it, and it's like really getting into all the the, the just the the love of the moment and like the nourishment that he's not used to. The luxury of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, of course, he steals a bunch of food because they have some real food in the house uh, to get some books for his well for his book, <laughs> as they call them. For his bookie. Yeah. yeah. Um. And leaves with like a pillowcase full of stuff. It, you know, he looks like he's just ransacked the place. And <laughs> yeah, it tells us a lot about you know the police of this world too, because they still have a lot of power, which is um, which makes sense if you have a if you still have a government and you still have it and you have overpopulation, you need to have some form of control. So it would make sense that some sort of military and police force that are probably the same thing at this point has survived through this. Even though they are very corrupt, and even here, like yeah, he's just you know looting the place of a dead guy, and everyone's just letting him do it because to fight him would be would be like immediate jail. But there's also kind of like a bounty system going on here because like even the guys who come and pick up the body, you know, sanitation, like is yes. hey, I, I, I get my they cut. Pay them off. Yeah, yeah, I get my cut of this, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, when and the go- police chief, and the police chief, yeah, like those. But I don't think it's like a, a CD thing, though. I don't think it's like a pay him off in like a, a dodgy way. Like when he goes to like turn it into the police chief, it feels like no, this is just the system. Like mm-hmm. you know, like I get X amount, you get X amount. Um, 
like the the sanitation getting paid off a little bit like maybe seems like it's slightly unusual but not in like a dodgy way like it seems like oh okay well yeah okay yes it gets 10 for the cut um but it, it's all like a bounty system where they're all getting like you know a portion of the proceedings mm-hmm. uh so it feels like it feels like really commercialized as far as police work goes um right which is almost something they could have explored more because like like you know the motivations the idea that this guy that heston's still determined to like figure this out that he still cares about the case is maybe an interesting thing they could have explored a bit more well yeah i like that like i like that he's still a good detective and he's still doing his job really well like he immediately goes to his police chief and just says i think it's the bodyguard i think he's the one who arranged it and you know he's right (laughs) yeah he's just like he he gets he's still really good at his job yeah, which well, is more, probably why he still has it. More specifically, they, well, they didn't arrange it, but he's the one who had like, all the like he he left the door open. He made sure like you know he was like the inside. The security systems weren't working just yeah. for a short period of he was time. He's the inside man, uh, because obviously the people who arranged it were the Soiling Company. It was the you know the it was the yeah the one percenters basically. It was like I really oh. actually love the scene where the guy breaks in. Also, it's sort of the opening um, that we glossed over, but like the guy you know he gets paid off. He sneaks in through the window. Um, and has like a, uh, he said it was a meat hook, but it looked like a golf club or something to, um, attack the guy with the, And like, he knows he's there. Why, why the guy's there to kill him and says like, I basically, yeah, I deserve to die or, or at least. And the, 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 the burglar says like, so I shouldn't call him that the assassin, I guess. So, you know, it's right then. Like, it's a good thing that I'm here. And the guy says, well, it's not good but it's necessary because what he knows because the truth that he knows or maybe what he even suggested maybe he's like the brains of it all um yeah just can't live with the guilt well i think it's a mix though i I don't think it's just um like there's definitely guilt and there's definitely him feeling deserving but i Mm -hmm. think it's like him saying it's necessary, I think, is equal guilt, but also equal part that he knows he's going to cave and start, like, feeling the need to tell people. So he understands why the others, like, he knows that this is coming because he's expecting the others to fear that he's going to start talking, to fear that he's going to, out, out, maybe out, like, out of some, like, need of redemption or some need of trying to atone for his sins, uh, yeah. try and make it right. So, like, right. He, you know, he understands why they're killing him and that's why he's expecting it. And he says it's for for God also, and so we know he's a religious man, and he wants to well recently like, try to atone for that at least. He's recently yeah. become religious, probably because he's. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, we already know what the secret is. But like, if maybe this is a necessary evil for this world because everything else is gone. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I've got some hot takes when we get talk, we talk about the ending and then the secret. <laughs> I got some hot takes. <laughs> okay. uh, um, so but yeah all, all this stuff it all, all builds kind of, and this leads to like you know he takes it home he, to Saul and Saul like smells the the bourbon and he he sees the the real food and the beef especially makes and, it, and this is actually quite a good scene because it makes him cry because he's he almost he realizes how like happy he is to see it and then that makes him mm-hmm. sad because of how much the world has changed and he says a line at one point, maybe I should have went home years ago. And we don't know what that means yet. We, it sounds like literally what it means to us at this moment in the film. It's not until later we realize that that's a phrase for 
going and like letting yourself be killed like in a peaceful yeah. way to like just end it and like turn yourself in uh probably something they started at some point because well we'll give people a chance to opt out peacefully because it's we're overpopulating so if they have a maybe they'll go a bit early if <laughs> if they're like ah oh, it's time right to go. and maybe it's taken from like uh you know when we take old people to the home mm. or to a home ah yeah you know. i guess yeah yeah <laughs> Maybe it's just evolved from that. (laughs) We're going to put grandma in the home, the old folks' home. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But no, that's that's a really interesting scene because it gets so emotional. And it leads to us... I'm skipping ahead over some other stuff. We'll go back to that. But I want to talk about the dinner scene because Saul Saul prepares dinner. And it is one of the better scenes in the movie because it, it... Again, like if 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 there's one th- if I, honestly if there's one thing I can critique about the world building in this is that it's almost making the same point for too long because there's a lot of this movie which is look at all the things they don't have and it it does that a lot but it's mostly really good which is why I, I'm not really critiquing it but it is ultimately making the same point as we've already had but you know like Saul's like no no you're not going to use that plastic cutlery you're going to use the, the classic metal cut which I feel like the metal would actually be more reusable and. <laughs> like i don't know it, it makes more sense for them to have metal cutlery to me in this world but whatever um maybe it just gets sold so often or stolen so much hmm. i mean there's a lot of cheap metal cut it's not like they're all silver <laughs> like <laughs> i don't know metals yeah yeah you can melt any metal down though i suppose yeah for bullets or something i don't know <laughs> what we're using it for <laughs> yeah. it's I've already got... a pointy thing so i don't know <laughs> so yeah that, um, i'm not sure i didn't notice but um, uh so yeah. so but he's made them a stew and he's like and clearly hester has never had this before right mm-hmm. and i did like the small touch that the first thing they have is like a, a piece of the lettuce the, the lettuce yeah and like saul like sort of watches for his reaction before he has his so and the way heston kind of puts the lettuce in his mouth and just sort of goes Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's all that you philistine and then he's like mm, that is well that, i think that that's a i think that's a really cool thing to start with because he's trying this stuff for the first time but saul is remembering it yeah so I, like he has all these like you don't appreciate lettuce until it's gone yeah but i like it i like it on the fundamental level though that it's like you know like even if you've never had it before lettuce is still just lettuce like it's not it's not going to rock <laughs> anyone's world when you have it for the first time yeah i mean it's also it's also a bit weird i mean i get i get that he's just trying everything for the first time but typically we don't just have lettuce on its own you know you'll have lettuce in a thing with something you'll have it it adds the crunch yes it's just you don't just have a plate of lettuce right you're not rabbits (laughs) okay but um well i mean a lot of people have salads for a meal (laughs) yeah but a salad is more than just less sure Say like that. It is. No, no, one, no one just eats a plate of salad. Uh, sorry, a plate of lettuce. They have a salad, but a salad is made up of multiple things. Yeah, you just have to have one extra thing, and it's a salad. <laughs> I'm having lettuce with some salt. Salad. Yep. Hmm. That sounds awful. <laughs> Salted lettuce. Yum. <laughs> Eat it all the time. <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, but that, that, that seems, like, fascinating to watch, like, just, um, like, Heston react to having a stew for the first time, and he's just kind of, like, taken aback by it. And then, mm-hmm. like, the way he, like, copies Saul when he rubs the apple against his, his chest. It's uh, sweet, right? Yeah. It's kind of sweet. It's kind of adorable. 
Uh, although I'm going to ask a question here. I'm going to admit something about myself. Have you never had an apple before? I had like two apples today. I have apples all the time. How dare you? <laughs> uh, what was the rubbing again? Like I see him doing movies. What's this rubbing against your shirt thing? I don't get it. It's because um, for uh, there's like a wax around apples that are, is used to preserve it when it goes to transport and in grocery stores and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So the wax you can remove either with a, like a physical rub or you can wash it. Bailey rubs one part of it, though. Yeah, I don't know. But, it, you know, it plays out to, like... And, and this is where kind of the light classical music in the background is that it, it's like they're treating like a decadent meal. This is where it works because it's like, no, it's just a shitty little table with a cloth over it. This looks like... This is the most ramshackle little dinner that anyone's ever, like, had together. But it feels decadent in this world. It feels like they've made the best of a shitty little apartment, uh, which most people sleep, not even have. Most people are sleeping in the stairs or they're sleeping in alleyways or they're doing whatever so the, the the scene does a great job of kind of like selling all of this um and like just like they have this this magical night together yeah i like the way he makes him like smell everything too before he tastes it oh yeah because smelling less yeah so, <laughs> like <laughs> smells good <laughs> i don't know about that but just everything is savored yes yes i sure you can smell Less. I mean, it has a smell. I'm not saying it doesn't smell, but it's not something you, you know, you have a whiff of before you bite into it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do. Love it. <laughs> oh dear. Um. So the movie, like, he goes and like investigates the bodyguard, uh, investigates his apartment, which he, you know, he does have a, you know, a woman there, a furniture, if you will. Um, and bizarre. So this is the thing that caught me off guard. So the movie earlier on, Heston doesn't so much accuse her, but kind of like tries to prod. Uh, Cheryl's the you know the the furniture, the woman who was with the the you know the victim, and he kind of prods at her and says, you know, were you cheating on him? So it kind of implies that if you're you know with someone as a piece of furniture, you're not supposed to like do it with other people. You're supposed to just be theirs. Um, which makes some amount of sense. Um, but when yeah, he, well, he was investigating also who might have a motive to kill him. Yeah, but when he goes to you know this woman here, right, and almost she, she's really just trying to distract him because she's noticed that there's a spoon with some really expensive jam on it that he doesn't want. She doesn't want him to notice. Uh, she kind of offers like maybe I should offer you something, and he sort of says like, oh, if I you know if I had time, I'd ask for it. And I'm like, okay, so I wasn't so I, that murkied up a little bit. But then later on, Heston goes to Cheryl again. And don't get me wrong, I get that for her, like, she's now technically between tenants, right? She's mm-hmm. not really tied to anyone. Uh, but obviously this is a big part of the world building, is that he just kind of walks in and says, all right, on the bed. And she, there's no, like, there's not even, like, a yes. It's just, like, of course, I'm, of course I'm going to do what you're asking. Of course we're going to have sex. Of yeah. course that's going to happen. Um, there's there's no, like, ifs, ands, buts, like, or acknowledgements, you know? Uh, there's some butts well you know what i mean <laughs> there's some literal butts uh and, and, and there's other lines to sort of hint like oh she's lucky that like this guy was nice to her that he didn't beat her up you know she's lucky that he wasn't some asshole uh yeah. who seemed to care about her and um you know part of the film is that her and heston kind of grow attached to each other it kind of feels like she is very 
emotionally dependent on someone and she kind of clings to him very quickly uh, after the death of her you know her, well her. yeah she doesn't really it seems like this is something she was trained for also from a young age just to you know be pleasing to men and she is very young in this i mean she's like 20 something mid-20s probably but there's a line in the beginning where when our um her former lover is being taken away that you know she says i remember when my grandmother died and there was a ceremony and that's like the only thing she remembers from like the old world is that was still there when she was a very young girl and then we see him taken away in a literal like garbage truck <laughs> like it's, that's what this world has come to now that's another like interesting world building thing like there's just so many people that there's no room for hearse anymore or just, yeah, ceremony or or ceremony know, everything is waste everything gets you know taken apart and well you know disposed of <laughs> yeah so so some world building with that uh and this is actually one of the scenes that kind of like... Because obviously th th this also kind of feels a little bit unlikable, right? Obviously this is the world that they're living in and this is just expected. But it mm -hmm. is, this would be easy to sort of see this as unlikable. It follows it up though immediately with the, the landlord of the, the building who comes in and starts like... Because she's having like... She's got like other furniture <laughs> for lack of a... Uh, it feels weird to say yeah. that, but that's what they are. Like, it's basically the, the ladies from the, the other... The other tenants, yeah. yeah. So they get their one day off a month. So generous, by the way. One day a month. So generous. Uh, and they're spending it together. But he, you know, the landlord's not yeah, happy about that. It's and a he, vacant room. Why not? And he comes in and he starts you know, He starts slapping some of them and hitting them and yelling. And then Heston comes out the bedroom. Yeah, and he's like... Immediately the guy kind of like, oh, I didn't know you were here, Detective Thorne. And he gets very... T and Heston, like, you know, sort of like scares the shit out of him and sort of throws his weight a little bit. Uh, and sends him with his tail between his legs, but uh, so so it's like okay, you're giving me an example here of him actually being more Better. at least more sympathetic than him. Like if nothing, yeah. like it's one of those weird things where like, and if this character was in a regular movie with his attitude, he would probably come off as like the villain. <laughs> but in this world, he's coming off as one of the more sympathetic characters, partly because of how he's treating Cheryl. Um, aside from just the assumption that you know you, you will have sex with me because I I deemed it so, uh, yeah. But otherwise, he's he's nice enough to her, and then the way he treats Saul as well. These are the the, the relationships that he has that kind of tell you like he's got he's got some lines, he's got some morals, he's got some. Yeah, you know, actually, empathy. there's a very similar scene in uh, Once Upon a Time in the West where it happened. It it happens from the villain, and of course, we hate him for it, mm. even though like she's going along with things and stuff. It it's. It seems like pretty much the same scene, but, you know, done through the perspective of the hero versus the villain. Yeah. Um, so, I guess uh, the hero is probably the wrong word, word, but, like, protagonist versus antagonist. Yeah, yeah. So it's obviously one of these things where, like, women's rights in this future have just deteriorated to nothing. Yeah. Uh, they are not, not only property, but, like, property that comes with an apartment like a like you, you you get a stove you get an oven you get a woman like it, that that's yeah. the the level of which it is devolved to at and least for a certain part like a certain portion of women like women who qualify yeah. you meet the qualifications 
for this and they're considered lucky to have this position and, yeah that's Whereas, that's the that's the really demoralizing part of it is that like because they get access to finer things in life because they're with rich men because they're the, they're the only ones that can mm-hmm. afford places that come with women uh like it's like oh you're lucky you you get soap you get like some real food you get like hot water like you should yeah. be happy that you're a sex slave right uh, like yeah. that's the attitude yeah yeah because um i mean we do see women like outside in the crowds like trying to get food and stuff like that so i i I want to assume that they're all property. They're probably just trying to survive just like everyone else. I'm sure there are women who have jobs in this world still. Um, we just, yeah, don't see, they probably don't get very high up or very high paying jobs. We, we do see. We uh, do see one female. Yeah, actually. Uh, as, as an a older book, one. Yeah. But I wonder if that's because she's just been doing this since before things changed and they're just like, well, you're still qualified. So you can she, do, do they, I think he calls her like your honor. Like she used to be a judge or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of cool world building with with these mm-hmm. kind of details. Uh, I actually really like as well that afterwards when everyone goes home, um, like Heston's leaving and she's like, no, I don't want to be alone. You know, stay like, you know, you can, you can have this, you know, we can have sex again. I'll make you breakfast in the morning. And he's still saying no. And then she's like, you can have a hot shower. And he's like, you have hot water. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I'll rub you down after. Yeah. Like. Oh, oh go on then hot water <laughs> he's like i'll take strawberries in the morning we don't have strawberries <laughs> then the egg will do <laughs> yeah because they're 150 dia char and it's actually yeah. i mean it's, it's actually jam it's not just strawberries but uh, it's a, like preserve or something yeah yeah um doesn't it make you want it though like it looks good <laughs> the well, way she eats it and stuff i'm like yeah strawberry jam is good well, uh, honestly, not so much because he makes Saul taste it after the spoon's been in his pocket for like half a day, yeah. and I thought that's disgusting. Well, like, you can't waste it. <laughs> how, how much fluff from your pocket is on yes. that jam? That is disgusting. Some strawberry jam and lint. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> nasty. Nasty, nasty. So, uh, but again, like just this idea of like the temptation of like. Like, it's the idea that he's tempted more by having hot water than he is more sex. Like, that that's, like, yeah. as cynical as that sounds, that's a pretty are, big... He already are, just had sex. He did. <laughs> yeah, but there's always seconds. There's always second sex. Well, like... also, like, he can get sex probably anywhere because he can just raid someone's house for, you know, police reasons and have furniture. But, you know, the hot water is more, probably more... Um, yeah, well, harder well, to find well, I, well that was kind of the point i was getting at earlier like because the because the, the other the, the bodyguards you know missy's kind of offers and i was wondering well like had this guy still been alive and he came around would he still be able to demand sex like this or would it be like not allowed because I, 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 I don't know. like what was the bodyguards missy's just like sort of like doing it because she's not supposed to but she was offering because she was she thought it might work as a way of like just like putting him off the scent maybe but also like the place that she lives in is not the same kind of place that okay the other woman's at you know she lives in i wouldn't say the slums of this world but like what we would consider to be kind of a trash place mm. like they have at least four walls and because well, he's a bodyguard, he- but Heston keeps complimenting on all the space they've got. This is a spacious apartment. 
Yeah, that's true. Maybe they maybe they recently moved into it. There is a uh, you know a guard at the front area with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, this is probably more like middle class by uh, like this world standards. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, because uh, because one of the things with the is like they, they feel like they're getting closer, and then later on, after he has like a near miss, we'll talk about all that in a minute. Uh, he goes back to Cheryl and like embraces her and. She, like, seems happy to, like, be needed by him, and he, like, is sort of growing attached to her. But then mm-hmm. when things are going down and he's being hunted at the end of the film, it, like, he calls her and says, no, no, stay with whoever the new guy is. Like, just, you know, don't get involved with me. Like, you have to stay away from this. And she looks kind of devastated, and we feel we do feel kind of sad because, like, like, the new guy might not be abusive or anything, but he does come off as a complete sleazeball because we get the one oh, yeah, scene totally. where, you know, where he comes out, he's like, oh, I waited for so long with a an apartment here he said I, w- I was on the wait list for two years for someone to die <laughs> <laughs> and it, it looks at her because it, it's almost like yeah he he could say i don't want her and she'll get like punted elsewhere uh possibly yeah. on, onto the street she may not even get like another posting it may just be a case of like you're too old now yeah, yeah. um but he's like you know i have friends because it, well, it describes what he likes for breakfast first but he's like i have friends over you know three or four nights a week that's a lot a week by the way <laughs> just three or four uh like and you know sometimes it's business and we like to be left alone but sometimes it's fun and then we like a girl who's fun are you fun and she has to like force a smile and it's like oh you're so disgusting yeah (laughs) yeah i like uh i i think that's a really well written scene also just because you get exactly who he is even like when he walks in like i deserve this you know i i'm a strong man in this world and i should have had a place like this a long time ago. And I had, they made me wait, you know, like that was, that was uh, <laughs> pretty clear. And also it, it opens up like when you think back on all of her scenes with Heston, like, is she really getting close to him or does she know like, because she's getting older and there's a new tenant who might not want her, does she need a backup plan just for survival? Yeah. Is this maybe just the best option she may have going forward? Because at one point when she's talking about like, and this is maybe an interesting thing to go back into the you know the the furniture are supposed to feel lucky for their 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 positions because at one point when he, he compares her this place to his he's like oh i've got a place but it's nothing like this and she kind of just goes dreamy and goes this is my home i don't want to leave and it's almost like if push comes to shove what would she rather pick like him or the house like you know or, or more specifically him or this lifestyle mm-hmm. um and she may actually pick the the cynical one she, she might go for the lifestyle which is again like a very unlikable trait you know like she in- inherently is more sympathetic to begin with because well she seems innocent enough and she's in this horrible position where she has no rights um and you know she's at the mercy of these horrible men around her but ultimately she might still make these selfish decisions that feel a bit less hard to like get on board with you know the the uh not that you can necessarily blame her like you know this world does seem pretty shitty and maybe accepting this yeah. this is the best option that she has but um, but still like how how long does she have <laughs> yeah like you know once she's you know in her mid-30s and she's furniture like if she gets hurt or, or if like him or his friends get a little too excited they could like really really hurt her also yeah but they even get into trouble would that be like a, a crime if I they... mean if she's furniture if they kill her like you know, probably mm-hmm. not. Yeah. People, we already saw like the landlord being super violent with the girls, like seemingly no regard for how, you know, how strong he is against them. 
Yeah, and unless there just happens to be someone decent there who has a problem with it, it doesn't seem to be something that has any repercussions. Yeah, you definitely get that feeling. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I, I wanted to just stick with her plotline because I thought it would just be neater to tie it all together. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely ends very dark. And, you know, he does tell her to stay there, but it could also be because, you know, you get real food there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, at this point, he knows. Yeah, so the investigation, you know, he he hears from her that uh, the guy went to see a priest, so he goes to the church, he talks to the priest, and the priest does seem kind of shaken, like he's learned something <laughs> that he doesn't want to talk about. Yeah, and, he's super distant. And and it's throughout <laughs> this part of the film where we see that not only is he being tailed by someone, right, that the guy who hired the hitman in the first place is at the police station, he, he wants them to just sort of, you know, write the case off as complete. Like, ah, oh, some guy broke in, no big deal. It was just a robbery gone wrong. You know, sweep it under yeah. the rug. But when they find out about the priest, it's like, oh, he went and talked to a priest. We'll have to make sure. So, you know, we get a scene where the bodyguard guy goes and assassinates the priest in the in the confessional booth. Um and that that's what leads to Heston going to uh Well actually, no. I, I think did they try and assassinate Heston first before he goes to beat up the bodyguard? I think they might. That's, um, that's what Heston the big... knows that he's being tailed. He does, yeah, but I'm I'm saying yeah. I th- I think he goes to beat up the bodyguard after he's uh, almost been killed because a guy tries to kill us. It's during the big riot sequence with the scoops that's silly, uh, but there's an well, assassin who tries to kill him and when there's, there's kind of like, he gets shot in the leg and he's able to shoot the assassin and then we get, like in theory this is a fun death, but <laughs> of course there's only so much they can show of it so it's a little bit silly. <laughs> Which oh, is the, the crush. Yeah, the crushing of the, the big scoop and the tractor like comes down and crushes them. It's I, I think, yeah, in theory, you're right. It's cool. Of course, we don't get to see anything, so it's not that cool. But also, like, the guy stands there for a long time. He definitely had time to move yes. out of the way. And plus, it's not it's uh... not, it's, it's not the Wilhelm scream, but it might as well have been the Wilhelm scream, you know? Like, it's just a sort of yeah. goofy scream that you hear as as the thing comes down. It just it feels a bit silly. Yeah. Well, this scene does happen after the police chief tells Heston to get off the case. Yes. Yeah, because he's put on riot duty, yeah. But of course, yeah. because someone tries to assassinate him, it's just like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure than ever that I'm onto something. So he, he goes and beats up the bodyguard. Right. Uh, at his place, so. And his furniture. Does he beat up the furniture? Mm-hmm. Well, he throws her around. He slaps her and throws her around because that's oh. what agitates the bodyguard enough to attack him, which gives him the right to really go after him. So he uses corrupt... He's correct. Tactics, yes. <laughs> um, but worth pointing out, it's worth pointing out, like, you know, he's not this squeaky clean guy. Like, he is doing nope. things and considers it okay to, to pull a lot of shady tactics to do what he's doing. And while this is going on, Saul has been reading up on the big books that he got from uh, the rich guy, and he's he's went to, like, consult with other books at the, the exchange, they call it, and we cut away from him, we come back and like they've discovered something that's shaking him to his core he's like i can't believe this i, I, I see what it's saying and i see what it's, it's kind of implying but i just can't believe it and he leaves heston a note saying that he's going home and we see him walk and we have this kind of goofy effect shot and i, I get that they wanted it to look like there's a long like, street leading to this building but you can kind of see that they've got kind of like a matte painting of the building or the street's kind I of love fake. A good matte painting though yeah so because there's a real building because when he gets close to it you go into like a you know a shot near the entrance and there's, there's a real building there but they've put this building at the end of a big long street that it's not really on so you get this right, weird yeah. effect shot of him walking up to it 
and then again later when heston is running up to it dramatically like it's the same <laughs> thing uh i do like the it, when the he gets close to the entrance and then this young woman just opens up the door and her hair is flowing like from the air conditioning because it's hot there they always yeah. talk about how hot it is and so it's just like it feels nice in there it is nice come on in like it is very much like uh like it, he's walking into heaven or something it goes back to the uh the scene earlier on when you know when when shirley or Cheryl convinces heston to stay with the, the hot mm-hmm. shower one of the things he gets really excited about is okay but you have to be able to turn up the air conditioning so it's almost like he gets this right. taste of like you know, between the meal with Saul and then the spending the night at this place, like he gets the slice of the the high life, right of the of the exquisite life, um, right, yeah. and then he's brought back down to reality throughout the the rest of the movie. So there's this kind of like this trying to attain, like th- there is definitely like this like harsh critique of capitalism in this film, and like, everyone trying to claw their way to the top, and like I you know screw you, I've got mine kind of mentality mm-hmm. uh, that's there, and the people in power try to keep that in place and all that. Um, so yeah, Heston comes running in and catches while this process is going on and gets to watch most of it. And it's, they, they put Saul in the room, they asked him his favorite color, which is orange. So it's like bathed in orange light. He's in this like comfortable so bed. That's such a 70s color to pick. <laughs> and he's, they're basically just showing him footage of like fields and nature and rivers and wildlife as classical music plays uh and this is why i get why the intro is the way it is to kind of like link up with this but still i like i think it's it's perfectly fine in this scene in this scene it completely works because mm-hmm. there's emotion in this scene because saul's watching it and getting emotional as he's dying and like heston's like talking to him over the, the intercom and like try to like talk to him and it's right before he dies where saul kind of like snaps out of the happiness and says listen to me like you've got to tell them like you know silent as any kind of like he can't quite get it out though he, he doesn't quite say it well he doesn't say it to where we can hear it but yeah. um heston like puts in headphones and is talking to him and he does know the answer at that point we just don't know it yet unless we've you know figured it out yeah yeah, yeah. uh so he actually chooses to like follow he, he follows the guys who came out and i take- do oh. i do want to uh, i don't want to leave the scene yet because sure, sure. um uh, I did read in the trivia also that the actor, this was his last movie, but also this was his last scene that he ever shot before he, you know, passed on. He passed on 10 days later after he shot this scene. Damn. Um, yeah. And he and Heston had been friends for a long time because they've worked together many times. And uh, like him, he, the reason he died was because he had cancer. I think it was lung cancer. Um, but so, you know, he and Heston already knew that his time was limited. So him doing this death scene and, you know, saying goodbye to his friend, like those are real tears coming out of Charlton Heston. Uh, and it is an emotional scene, especially if you know the background. Like I do get emotional during this because I think it is very real when you watch it. Yeah, anyway, honestly, that's all I want to say. <laughs> no, that's, that's a good thing to bring up. I, I, um, like the... I think the emotion does feel good in the scene, you know, because when they say I love each other, uh, mm-hmm. that was a weird way of phrasing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, when they say that, it, it does kind of feel real. It, but it, it's actually almost enlightening hearing the truth. Like, you, what you just explained to me there, because I don't know if the movie... Like, it almost feels like it's like more emotional than the rest of the movie's earned. But I guess it makes sense because you're telling me the actors were actually, like, had these real feelings, and that's why it comes across, like, so... Uh, genuine as it does like it, it almost feels like the movie 
by its nature is more cynical than this and does, it, you know isn't meant to like hit these notes but it kind of does in that scene which is for the better like it actually makes mm-hmm. for a better scene um but that's interesting to hear that that's why because there was actually just some truth to the fact that he was dying and they were really right. friends uh so that's interesting um but heston follows like the body he follows where the guys take it in, in the truck and he follows it out to the plant and we get like you know five minutes of him like following around, wandering around this place is just it, like you said earlier. It's just the industrial machinery. It's just the mm-hmm. you know him looking around, and it, you know, he sees the bodies get into a pool like a big vat, and then he sees like other things, and then eventually he sees the conveyor belt with just the the silent green squares going across, and that's when people see him, and he gets a bit of a chase, and he 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 hides in the back of another truck leaving, and. Uh, makes the phone calls and all the rest of it, and he 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 tries to. He, there's a bit of a chase. This is kind of where we're seeing the action scenes, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, when he kind of mm-hmm. opens fire on the guys that are chasing him, and it is very just sort of like pew 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 and like you know duck and run and. Uh, it, it was the yeah. Same. This is the scene that I was talking about also when um because there's no music at all during this scene. Like the music doesn't come in until the very end credits. Oh no! It's I, just I, sound effects. I know. I, I was never critiquing the lack of music, though. But you you specifically pointed out the industrial sounds, which I assume you meant the factory scene. Yeah, there's that. There's those scenes because I mean the chase does start there, and then it goes through. It goes through the the factory, and then it goes into the streets, and it's just nothing but clip clop, clip clop, clip clop. You know that you hear <laughs> from there also. Yeah, it's almost the idea and... that this this process is just going to keep happening no matter what. This is just like the the thing. This is just what's mm-hmm. going on in this world now. But to be fair to the, like, like there's not a lot of music in the movie. Like, there's very little music in this movie that's not being played in the scene. Because, you know, even when mm-hmm. Saul's dying, it's played into the scene. Like, it, you know, it's not just it's the movie. It's being played over speakers, yeah. like, yeah, while yeah. he's dying. Um, so, like, it's actually just in, like, tone for the rest of the film, for the silence. Uh, for, or, for, I say silence, this lack of music. Right, but I think it prevents the film from becoming like an action movie at the end because you know there is a shootout and there's a chase, and I think if there's music there, it would feel more like that. And this is this instead keeps it very tense, like you, it still feels like a like a murder mystery sci-fi film. No, I get what you're saying, but it could be more tense. That's my problem with it: is that the actual gunshots and the ducking and like diving feel still too old school to me. So I, I agree that the the lack of music and the sneaking around in the dark, especially when they get into the church and like the bodyguards mm-hmm. hunting them around all these people and he ends up shooting some innocent people as he's going for them but a lot of the actual shooting and the you know like heston like jumps over the couch and like it's like somehow the bodyguard's still missing him even though he's like three foot in front of him and like (laughs) there's a lot of the the old silly western logic kind of like just peeking into like the logistics of a lot of this and i could feel that because i agree going around in the dark and like him running the street away from these bad guys and then trying to dodge this guy around all these like poor people in the church like all of that, like should make for this really tense sequence. Um, I think it's, I think the direction just isn't quite there to really capitalize completely on the tension. Like I, I can definitely imagine like sort of similar scenarios, like or I mean I say similar, I just mean like similar like you know cat and mouse style scenarios from mm-hmm. other movies, from other types of directors, from from later eras that I think would handle it better. That you know, like if I if I think of like the Palma like directing this last 10 minutes not the whole movie just this last 10 minutes like i can see like just how much better it would be <laughs> because it would be the palma yeah 70s the palma also 70s the palma yeah yeah so that, that's not even a case of being later right i mean i mean if i'm picking my i mean 80s the palma is probably more my favorite the palma but like yeah 70, he was good in the 70s too 
<laughs> no arguments. Um, yeah, all, all right. Paradise. You know, uh, so like, but that, that's kind of what I was getting at. So, uh, but yeah, it's about the gunshot shootout, um, and bodyguard gets killed. Conveniently, there's a giant butcher knife lying in the floor next to where Heston lands at one point. <laughs> Did maybe chuckle a little bit. Um, well, not a butcher knife, but like a regular kitchen knife that somebody had stored like next to their bed. I but it's a big shot. It's like a big Michael Myers one. Yeah, I mean, I imagine just somebody had a, that as a weapon. I mean, look at where they're living. They're living in crowds of people. Maybe most people have some sort of protection on them. Oh, oh okay. All right. It's just whatever they can get, you know. As far as headcanon goes, it's actually pretty good. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not convinced that was the intention, but like, fair. Okay. Uh, but Maybe yeah, so he's he, the cook for the church. But he kills the bodyguard. <laughs> the police chief shows up, and like Heston's like like bleeding out, and he's like getting taken away in a stretcher. But this is when he finally says it. You got to tell them, Silent Green is people. It's made out of people. Uh, and you know, it's as he's been carried away. It freeze frames on his bloody hand, as, and then the classical music starts playing again. Um, so. Yeah, Silent Green is people. That, that's what the whole movie's been building up to. And when you think about the whole idea of the movie of people fighting over to get what's theirs, and the idea that other people are literally have become the food source of everyone else, mm-hmm. um, maybe not the rich, but most people, then... Right. So so it's, it almost makes it literal. It's like this idea of like dog-eat-dog dog world, when no dog is literally eating dog, right? Yeah. That's the, essentially what's happening. Yeah, like what happens if we still have some sort of system of control in the future uh but there's no food like what <laughs> like what what's left what can we do and it's and even uh heston says like sure right now they're just taking our dead because you know we're running out of food we're almost out of like all the farms are dying all the fish are gone all the plankton's gone but what happens when we only have cannibalism left we're, are we going to just start breeding people for food yeah, he says a way a herded like cattle. I think is the yeah the line it says, which is a legit concern. Like, and that that part, I like, I'm on board with. Like, that is a concern. Although the overpopulation seems to suggest that it may never never be a problem. Like, there's so many people dying constantly <laughs> that it may <laughs> never actually be an issue. Um, Maybe, but they they do have shortages of soil green. They say in the beginning, true, like it's true. new and they're running out of it. So I mean, not enough people are dying. I guess. And it is interesting that it's the popular, because they've got a few other colours that are made from other things. It's interesting in the one that's made from people, which might be the only one that's made from technically meat. It's interesting mm-hmm. that that's the one that everyone likes. Yeah, I guess Soylent uh, is a, some sort of combination of uh, like soybeans and lentils. Soylent. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, my, I, it's not that much of a hot take, but I, I was sort of thinking during this scene, I'm like, you know, if the world is in this position... Is this really that bad? Like to to, to make use of the to people? To eat the dead? <laughs> yeah, I mean to make use of them. I mean they're just going to waste otherwise. To resort to cannibalism? I think yes. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty bad. Also, because like when you watch the movie, knowing what happens, every mm-hmm. time you see somebody die, you're like, they're food now. That person's like, food but now. in the grand scheme of things, right? This idea that you know, like, we're all just made up of the same matter, and then you know, it becomes something else when we die. We go back and th- you know, eventually that uh, might become yeah, a pig. maybe we're all food anyway. Yeah, like, <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is, is that if you're just taking it as like in the same way that you like, like you know, if you're in space, you might like recycle your piss, right? 
Is it yeah. really that much worse to say we're going to recycle the meat of humans and like process it to a point where it's unrecognizable, but that's what food ultimately is made out of at some point yes. down the line? It's um, pretty awful. <laughs> I'm not saying I want it. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying that I feel it. I, the, the sad ending to this is that I think most people are just going to go, well, if we need to, we need to. <laughs> I think they're just going to accept it. That's true. I mean, and maybe there'll be more people who like want to die because they don't like much like Sal's reaction of and I'd say the priest and the person who dies in the beginning of the film I think their reaction is I can't believe that believe that we've gotten ourselves in this situation where this is the only way to survive now yeah, yeah I, I, and I don't want to live in this world anymore because I, I think what you're saying there is that it's less of a this is disgusting we're eating people and it's more of like a philosophical like this is what we've come to as people. No, it's, it's not like mm-hmm. just the, ew, we're eating people. Oh, that's disgusting. Like, it's not just that. <laughs> it's more, no, this is what the world is now. And this is what it's going to take to survive. Yeah. yeah. And it's, is it even worth it? Yeah. So, which is the more interesting, I mean, I, I, I'm joking a little bit, like, but logistically, like, yeah. Like if it just looks like green cubes. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, you know, whatever. You can buy Soylent if you want. It's available. There's this, some, you know, uh, San Francisco company that makes Soylent. Look, in the, could, it's, not, it's not made of people, though. Look, in the real world, right, there's nothing wrong with farming, as far as I know. And in the real world, we're, we're, even, we're at the point now where we're almost at lab-grown meat, at which point, like, you know. <laughs> sure, so some things are, I guess, yeah, <laughs> dating a little bit. You know, um, so it's whatever. As far as soil goes, there is concern about, like, some soils there's definitely they brought up you know the oceans are dying that is still something that we are dealing with because people refuse mm-hmm. to stop fishing um and uh the, i think the plankton thing is also a, a current date issue if i remember from my environmental science courses <laughs> um but yeah but like i mean okay yeah you can bring in like what's really going on in the world right now but i, I just mean like there's a lot of context that's not in the movie that I'm ignoring to say, is it really that bad if we're recycling people as food? Right? Look at it this way, right? If someone died, because like, you know how people donate their organs, right? And they have a donor card? Well, what if someone said, no, I, I want to be used to feed a family? <laughs> like, I want to be used as food. Like, that's not a bad thing. Like, if someone that dies knowing that. consensual. Yeah, then yeah. that would be all right. Yeah. that's. I mean, at that point, it's not that philosophically that bad. If somebody consents to being eaten after they're dead, yes, that that yeah. would be acceptable. Which I, I, Saul kind of does, not because he knows what's going to happen, and he chooses mm-hmm. to go and die. So it's, I wouldn't say it's really consent, but it, it's kind of in the well, ballpark. <laughs> it is and it isn't, right? Because he, he really has no... He doesn't want to live in this world where he has to eat humans. He doesn't want to live um, in this world anymore, you say. Why is that? Is it because everyone's betrayed him? <laughs> okay. He's not time himself. <laughs> but, yeah, so he doesn't want to live in this world anymore. Uh, he wants to go. He wants to go in a way that is peaceful and as close to happiness as he can get. And he doesn't have to eat anything, right? So, like, there's no opportunity for him to. Like, he might get hungry soon, and he, <laughs> what's he going to do? He may as well go after this nice last meal that he had with uh, his best friend. Mm-hmm. and um you know go peacefully what happens to his body after that isn't really his choice um but it it's the best choice he has 
Yeah. So is that like, I'm sure he didn't really want to die, <laughs> but he doesn't want to eat people. Yeah. Uh, I don't really, I mean, I don't really care what happens to my body after I'm dead. I'm dead. I don't care I shit. mean, I have the donor on my driver's <laughs> license, so sure. yeah, I'll be donated to science. But I will say like, as somebody who has worked with uh, cadavers before uh, at the college um, that I worked, that I worked at, um, I don't want to be a science experiment for children. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Not treated with respect. Uh, with yes, guess. that's yes. a thing that I, I I wish I can add to my donor card. <laughs> <laughs> um, Please give my don my my organs my perfectly good heart to somebody in need, um, but don't dissect me in a classroom full of idiots. Please, thank you. I don't think that's understandable and fair. Um, yeah. I didn't enjoy that part of my job at all. Yeah. Uh, I am... Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, 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 you know, like, you know, people... A lot of people have a preference of being, like, you know, cremated or buried or whatever, and I'm like, I'm dead. I don't care. Do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, convenient. sure. We don't have the spiritual part of us either. <laughs> Do you know what? I want something funny. I don't want to be eaten. <laughs> put, well, not, I wouldn't say I do either, but like, if that's what happens, that's what... Like, you know, put me in a cannon and fire me into the ocean. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I I like the idea of my corpse not being desecrated in any way or eaten. Like, uh, I guess I would prefer to be buried. <laughs> I, I think my corpse being desecrated would bother the people who are still alive that cared about me much more than it will ever bother me. Well, once obviously, it wouldn't bother me, but like, I still don't want that. Like, <laughs> it's the reason that we bury our dead, and we've been doing it for you know since before we've had civilizations, even. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's just a good place to put them, I suppose. Like, yeah. The way it yeah, so them. they don't so they don't get eaten by you know vultures and stuff also no one wants to look at a dead body it's true it's kind of more closure that way it's, it's disgusting so yeah out of mind out of sight <laughs> ultimately that's a human being all right they had a life <laughs> yes that's metaphorical human being that we've not even given a name in this <laughs> in this scenario it's not even a specific person we're just saying in general could have been your ancestor <laughs> and they're long dead so they don't care <laughs> sure <laughs> oh dear <laughs> but yeah so I mean like obviously it's, it's, the, it's the big conclusion to the film like I, I'm making a lot of jokes because it's fun to talk about and it's fun to kind of debate the the silliness and the the harshness but ultimately the actual more serious take that the film i think is going for is the idea that like people you know taking things from each other uh trying to like get theirs uh screwing anyone else you know i mean you know i, I use the phrase dog eat dog because honestly it's, i think it's the best example i can think of to like just sort mm -hmm. of sum it up right it's it's literally become dog eat dog um and that's sad because we should care about each other. And that's a big thing that's missing in this movie is that most people don't seem to care about each other. There's not a lot of sympathy and empathy between characters. There's little glimpses of it between Heston and Saul and Heston and uh, Shirley to an extent. You know, obviously, you know, that's we talked about that. But 
there's not a ton of it and that's like so it's kind of like a like you know be grateful for what we have and the people around you and actually cherish it okay i think ultimately kind of the message of it um and for the people you know who come after you like uh you know the next generations oh i thought you meant people who chase you like <laughs> no. like because like because he gets tailed in the film a few times i was like wait what? i don't care about them <laughs> ah, that makes more sense yes yes you're 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 your the future generations yes. take care of yeah take care of the earth you know the earth other, other the earth the earth i'm not saying f <laughs> the earth the earth take care of the earth no take care of mother earth because you know you need her <laughs> well, someone's been watching mother I have not seen that film. No. Oh, you haven't? Oh, well. <laughs> but I already assume that's what it was about, yes. You're, you're in for a treat when you do watch it then. <laughs> yes, I'm very familiar with the film, but I haven't seen it. Uh, speaking of, of course, of Aronofsky's Mother, not the Korean film Mother, which is actually a better film, if I'm honest. But, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> no, it is not, so... Yes. So... Yeah. But there you go, that's Silent Green. That's pretty much it. Uh, we can sort of sum up and give ratings now if you... Uh, would care to? Yes, I would. I think I'll go first. Um, <laughs> you always I... go first. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, obviously I really like this movie a lot. Uh, I saw it very young, and it was one of those pinnacle science fiction films from the seventies for me. It's um, probably one of the ones I think of first, and uh, I do think that the message in the film. Although some of it's kind of dated, especially when they talk about like population size of the, of the earth. I think we're past, I think we've actually surpassed that. And uh, we do actually have enough food to feed everybody. We just don't distribute it correctly. Um, and so, so some of it, like the numbers were a bit off, but uh, <laughs> and, uh, in any case, I, I do think uh, the message of, Maybe not the overpopulation message, but just the message of, um, you know, what kind of world do you want to live in? What kind of a future do you want for for us? And um, is pretty strong in this film. And I know you say you you don't you know you think it's a good blueprint for another better film later on or something. But I do think this film is really strong and it's uh, got very strong performances. And um, I really like it. So I'm going to go with a nine. And I'm sure your rating will be much lower. <laughs> That's okay. That is rather high, I have to say. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think it, like, as a science fiction classic, I don't think it belongs in the conversation with a list of films that I'm not going to name because we're planning on doing a top 25 sci-fi and I don't want to just tell you all the things I'm going to rate above this so I'm going to keep that to my chest but um, like I, I think there's a reason why it's a little bit more distant I think to people than other films um, even, even films from the same era and that's not to say that there's not a lot of great things in it because there is and there's a lot of good ideas in it and we've had some fun talking about them and talking about how they show these details um but and there are some good moments of direction but i do think that a stronger directorial hand would have went a long way 
and perhaps yeah it may be part of it is just you know the the more bog standard sort of like noir detective side of it kind of drags it down a little bit for me i'm not sure but i, th- I do think it's a good movie though i think it's an interesting film and i do think science fiction fans should see it so uh for me it is a comfortable seven out of ten okay and tara's not looking too mad so i, th- I think i've I've passed the 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 test of like, because I feel like if I had said like like a six, like I may have gotten like scalding eyes. <laughs> I guess I yeah I would have been a little upset about that. Like... <laughs> well, Tara is going to pose for the thumbnail, so. I wish I had something I could eat. <laughs> Tara says that often before we start recording. <laughs> eating before we recorded <laughs> all right three two one pause <laughs> that was the classic i don't know what to do i'm just going to put my thumbs up <laughs> so excellent that's my best discal and Eber impression if i chose what they rated it <laughs> All right, well, you said that Cisco and Ebert came off as a bit pompous. There's a good risk of me being pompous next time because next film we're doing for 70s Month is the original Solaris uh, from Andrei Tarkovsky. So uh, I have seen this once before, but it's been quite a bit of time. So I am very curious to see how I, have, I feel about it, especially since I have since watched and loved Stalker. Stalker. So I'm excited to dive into this again. Uh, and sort of come at it with a bit more of an experienced uh, eye. And you've not seen this, so I'm excited to see what you think of it. I've not seen it, but I own it. I've owned it for, like, years. Perfect. This <laughs> and I've just a... not popped it into the DVD player. This is Excuse a gr- me, Blu-ray player. This is a great excuse to finally unsheath that Criterion sword and slash it into a disc tray. <laughs> smooth i have been accused of that many a time thank you very much i know (laughs) oh my god (laughs) you can of course (laughs) be a patreon producer so let me take this time to thank our patreon producers for the month uh thank you to tyler hess cindy palaces david sharp board now al treisman christopher moy and david brown they are producers for the month so thank you very much to our christmas producers that's right, you get a special title this month. Uh, but you can, of course, support us for much less than that. Can't Tara? That's right, Peter. If you enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash milesfesttv. And if you donate as well as $1 per month, you will get access to bonus episodes of The Ace, including our 70s bonus episode, which will be coming out in December. So you can get five 70s films instead of four, <laughs> like the rest of you. Um, freeloaders out there. <laughs> freeloaders. I would have went with chumps. I'd have said chumps. That's my go-to word from. Uh... Yeah. Anyway, uh, check that out. And if you donate five dollars per month, you'll get access to these reviews one day early, and you get to vote on what we watch once a month. Yes, one of the four films you'll be getting this month was a vote winner. Uh, so that'll be That's coming right. up uh, later in the month, probably after Solaris, I think. So look forward to that. Uh, of course, you can support us for free by simply liking, subscribing, digging the bell for notifications, commenting what you think of the movie we talked about, or just any of the random discussiony things we had come up. 
in the comments. So please do all those things. If you listen to the audio version, you can, of course, rate us five stars. See, out of five, like civilized people. I mean, I prefer a 10 as a rating scale, but five stars I accept. It's a nice civilized rating system. Don't uh, rate five out of 10 for us. No, don't rate us five out of 10. No, no, no. <laughs> five stars out of five. Uh, and a, a nice review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from uh, is greatly appreciated. And helps out the show a ton. And um, that, about, uh, that about does it. Uh, I've told them what's coming next time. You've done the pose. I think it's uh, time to bid them that's adieu. It. Yeah, that's the, yep. that's the show. Silent Green in the can. Ew. Like spam. <laughs> spam might be people. I've heard that human tastes like pork. What a subject to end is. Oh, do you on. think the steak that they had was really a beef steak? I mean, it's a good question. I mean, Saul seems to know his taste. His taste buds seem well trained, so he seemed to know what it was. Yeah, but like looking back, like, are there any cows left? <laughs> well, we see like one little like tent that's got like a garden in the middle of the city for rich people. So maybe there's like a little little cattle farm somewhere <laughs> just just for the rich people to get their cows beef. Maybe they ate human. They're well, they're being a human anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they, they admit to I know, but like green. a slab of human versus the super processed Soylent human. Actually, just that's, I know it's weird to bring up another final point here right before, like, we've done the outro, but do you know I think it's weird that we don't actually see anyone eating Soylent Green the entire movie? Uh, we just see people get, well, I, I think that we do see him eat Soylent Green on a cracker in no, the that's, beginning. No, that's margarine. They call it margarine. It's just slightly out of date. I thought he said something about how, like, it's not bad, you should have this, and he goes, tasteless trill or whatever. Yeah, he's talking about margarine. Because he just said it was, a, it was it, it went bad, but they're going to have it anyway. He's like, it's not bad. Okay, okay. That wasn't Silent Green. Um, I think we see the cap to the police chief like, eating one of the Silents, but I don't think it's green. He's eating, like, a, like a, a, like a, I don't know, what color. It wasn't green, though, because I was looking for green. I was really keeping my eye out for the green. Uh, if this were remade today, it would have more people eating green goo <laughs> on crackers. Well, it's not goo though, is it? Uh, is it meant to melt? Is that what you're telling me? I imagine it's like a, it comes out like a like a brick, so you probably can do things to it, like melt it or I, I, I turn assumed, it into a paste. I assumed it was more like a, I like a like a protein bar. You just like sort of be into it. You just sort of, yeah, snap it off. Maybe. I anyway, could be wrong. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Thank you once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching Science Fiction and Computer. That's also. <laughs> <laughs>